Albert Einstein once said that all religions, arts and sciences are branches of the same tree. As today's technology and global risks race ahead of our understanding and stretch the boundaries of humanity, we face unprecedented ethical conundrums. I believe that reaching beyond the sciences and religion to that third branch, the arts, offers essential insight into these challenges. I call ethical decision-making on the borders of humanity, ethics on the edge. We all teeter on the edge. How do we define a life well-lived in a partly virtual world? Where do we look for moral guidelines and truth when curated selves befriend each other through algorithms? How do we make conscionable decisions in the uncharted territory of civilian space travel, designer genetics, and artificial intelligence? And what about the problems that are still on the ethical edge, but shouldn't be, such as inequality or racism? Please join me in conversation with some of the world's leading artists and arts world pioneers as we explore some of today's most challenging ethical questions through the lens of the visual and performing arts, architecture, and literature. Lalo, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Really, really appreciate you having me here. Um, before we get into some of the ethics questions, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about your incredible trajectory, in particular from human rights lawyer to very socially conscious artist? Yeah, I've always wanted to be an artist, but then uh, coming from the background I come from, family I come from, um, my father's also an attorney, he's also a lawyer, he's a human rights lawyer. So, Pretty in much Nigeria? I, yeah, Nigeria, yeah. <clears throat> I pretty much followed in his footsteps, you know. So, um, it took me a while to actually come to the understanding that I could do more with my art than just sitting in the office. Um, I used to spend my spare time just doing art and also music, you know. I had a gallery in, uh, in Abuja, uh, Nigeria, where I would, I would just gather like my, you know, my minded people who were into the arts or who had a 95 job, you know. Went at work and then went back there to just you know kind of you know bond and play music and you know talk about art and poetry and all all you know all that kind of things. But you know after a while I couldn't balance you know being an artist and also doing that five. But the thing about being a human rights lawyer in Nigeria is that kind of opens your eyes to things that you otherwise not know about human rights violations, about you know child abuse, about you know child's right act, you know like Nigeria I really ratified that part of it into the constitution of Nigeria. What we did was, you know, go into places just to talk about why uh, parents shouldn't, you know, send their children to mm -hmm. sell food and, like, kids, when kids need to be in school, they need to go to school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to engage them. Some people will tell us, oh, with the government, you know, we have to tell people who tell us that would the government pay for, you know, the schooling of the kid or are you going to give them money for food? Mm -hmm. We have to engage them. Um, Engage people, and also about child rights is also a big problem in the northern part of Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some kids literally would write letters to the Commission, Human Rights Commission, telling us how their parents are trying to force them into marriages and things like that. At what so, age? About 13, 12. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so, what? at what point did you actually make the shift into a full time art? Yeah, it was 2010, 2011, I quit my job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just do art right now, and that's all I'm going to do. Um, and also focus more on my music because I just felt that I had put it on the background for a long time, you know, and 
Yeah. And then you came to the U.S.? Yeah, I came to the U.S. in 2013. Okay. So with all of this very deep understanding of really critical human rights issues and ethics issues, mm -hmm. what do you think is the ability of artists, whether it's musicians or poets or visual artists or architects, to influence the ethics of their time and of future generations? You know, um, Nina Simone said something about an artist reflecting the time. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing that I've learned to come across is that ever since I moved to the United States, I've never been more black in my life. You know? Wow. Which is very, um, the concept of blackness, I've been in Africa, navigating the American space is very mm -hmm. different. What do you mean by black when you say, when you say black? I've never been called black in my life. In okay. Nigeria, nobody calls me black. You know, and that whole term, the color black itself, kind of takes away from my identity when you ask me, because I'm a Yoruba man from Nigeria, mm -hmm. with my ethnicity. But when you just call me black, you kind of just take away all my, all my um, background, everything that I am. That makes like your identity. Person, yeah, you label it, you call it black. You know, so at first I had to grapple with that, you know, when I first moved, when people say, oh, you're black. You know, first I'm like, um, yeah, actually, I'm black, but then I'm not black. You know, I'm more of that. You know, I want to... Mm -hmm. You know, you're under this, always trying to tell, okay, I'm Nigerian, and Nigeria from West mm -hmm. Africa, and then you're always trying to explain yourself, and mm -hmm. explain who you are, and you're a Balan, and this is what we do. And, you know, after a while, I started noticing a few things about, you know, racial profiling, and what it actually meant to walk in this game, living in the United States, and I discovered that, wow, it's, it's totally different. And it was just around the time of the, the, the trial, Trevor Martin. So I worked out on TV, and I was watching, you know, I worked in Miami get acquitted, and everybody in my house, everybody worked with, I leave people say, wow, this is crazy, you know, this they injustice. They put all the case, yeah. So it was pretty much an awareness, like a rude awakening of the fact that, okay, you're black and you live in America, this is what you have to do. And then I went to Target one day and I got, you know, I got those where I was stopped and I was searched and they told me to money check my receipt and check everything if I bought, if I actually bought what I bought, you know, which never happened in my life. And I was like, wow. And I told one of my friends, like, oh, you're welcome to America because you kind of fit the description of somebody who shoplift. And then I was like, okay, if I don't get a chance to explain myself, what other way can I explain myself? I could use art. Okay. And that's how a lot of the art side being art about Trayvon Martin. I did Black Lives Matter. I also did Bring Back Our Girls. I also did something about Jordan Davis. Anytime there was a chance to actually speak something about, you know. So you did issue. paintings? You yeah, did I did paintings. Charcoal works, mm -hmm. and paintings and drawings, mm -hmm. and also body art. Okay, so you really are an artist of your time. Yeah, you can say that. Because this is really straight out of the news. Black Lives Matter, Trayvon yeah, Martin, yeah, all the yeah, rest. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what do you think an artist's ethical responsibility is uh, to use art to do the kinds of things you're doing, either for social good or for some other ethical influence? Or do you think that artists are really there to pursue their aesthetic purpose, whether it's music or visual art or um, art for the sake of art? I think it's a mix of everything. Okay. You know, you know there's beauty. It's aesthetic, and also there's also a message in every like. It's not about artists. Art is 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 can be beautiful. It can be amazing. It can also be depressing. It can also be mind shifting. It can also change your thought. It can also start a conversation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot you can do with art. Mm -hmm. There's a, like you can look at the art here. Like there's a lot. Like I want to get people talking. I call this a dreamscape. It's consciousness, unconsciousness, unconscious. Things that you don't think you're even thinking about. 
I kind of just sit it there, okay, let me get to this and go to that and go to that. It's to start a conversation, it's make people start thinking differently. Who do you think an African is? Do you think mm -hmm. an African artist is? Do you think you know who Africa do you know anything about Nigeria? Mm -hmm. If you think you do, then think again. So you're a conversation starter. And before yeah. we go on, we have this incredible piece behind yeah. us. And I see Martin Luther King. Yeah. And I see a palm tree. Yeah. And is that a Dolce Gabbana logo? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to pick one or two things here, and in particular, those that are the most socially conscious or ethically conscious, and uh, just point out a few things here? Okay. Um, when you look at like the, the center, center right here is built on, on, the, on the, the reproductive organ of the woman and how this is actually the start of life, the beginning itself. That's a sperm and the phallic symbol, the two ovaries, the woman sitting in the hand, and there's a vagina with two faces inside of you, looking at you themselves and then there's a birth. Um, this is like a life cycle of it to itself. I like it repeats in different parts of this piece. And then right there you can see a power button and you see religion. Mm -hmm. Where I come from, religion is so so powerful that people kind of use it as a tool to manipulate and use people. Like, like, like in some parts of Nigeria, religion is like an on-off switch. Like, if somebody uh, like a religious leader comes and tells people, "Oh, you need to vote for that person," like, "Oh, God said this," people so it's instrumentalized. Yes, yeah, really, people just shut down all forms of reasoning. They're like, "Oh, because you know the religion says or religious leader said this, so we must follow." So it isn't even because they believe it's right. Yeah, it's so it's just an automatic automatic. Yeah. And which sometimes is just because I always believe in people reasoning, you know, don't just do something, you know, for that's not opinion, but then it's subject to discussion. I just put it right there, like what you think, you know. And then you see the map of Africa right there, which is very political. You see Africa is kind of crying, and you see like different syringes going into it, like, like it's nutrients and like it's oil, everything being taken out. And then you see, yeah, you take it out to the other parts of the world. So the best part of Africa is going out. And they keep asking yourself questions and question mark, question mark, question mark in the dark groups and see people. Mm -hmm. Like Africans pretty much enslaving each other. You know, even after the colonials left, then you see the African actually doing the same thing colonial masters did to mm -hmm. other Africans. You know, and I want to question that. Why? So on the subject of questions and uh, ethical reasoning, mm -hmm. if we start with the basis of ethical reasoning as principles or mm -hmm. kind of your true north, where do you get your core ethical principles or your guiding principles? Is it religion? Is it family? Is it some African cultural values? Is it other artists? Um, where do you get your inspiration for the guiding values that, that uh, guide your ethical decision making? Yeah, I was partly um, family. Um, I was brought up by, by parents who actually you know, taught us to think and think outside the box, like, you know, and also make decisions, inform decisions, you know, and also get it by morality, of course, you know. You know, don't don't cheat some other person if you don't want to be cheated. Don't, like, injustice was always found upon. You should not, you know, like, uh, cheat somebody else, you know. When, when you see, like, around me, when I see people being unfair or somebody taking what somebody else has, you know, and adding it to theirs, you know, something just gets, like, I just feel bad inside of me. You know, I don't feel good until I talk about it. Okay. So it's it's more like, you know, I feel it's a burden I carry. I don't know why, but it, it's always like that. When I see something, I want to talk about it. So and I find my loudest voice. Or your conversation starter. Yeah, yeah. And in and an ethics conversation starter. Yeah, you can say that. Okay. So if we can shift gears for a moment, you've had interaction um, with many different businesses. Yeah. 
So you paint shoes and you had a contract with Nike to do mm -hmm. some incredible work that you can mm -hmm. talk about. You also did some work for a Beyonce video mm -hmm. that became quite famous. Mm -hmm. And if you could uh, tell me a little bit about those, but also what are the biggest ethical challenges of the business side of your career as an artist? A lot of times it's, it's the like businesses or people who want to join jump into um, like a trend, mm -hmm. like a bandwagon kind of movement. Like, you know, I see a lot of people who are right now trying to jump into Africa like they think it's heat or it's cool and everything. Mm -hmm. I always try to tell them that there's more to Africa than just what I think it is now. Like, I wouldn't be sitting right in front of you right now for this interview if some of the people did not, like, persevere or suffer mm -hmm. for it, you know, because mm -hmm. 10 years ago, 15 years down the line, Africa was in this hip. Mm -hmm. People made fun of people who moved here, made fun of their names. Mm -hmm. Now, it's even cool to have an African accent and it was all like that, it's cool, you know? And the thing is, I always try to tell people that embrace the whole of Africa. Like, don't just think about the clothing or think about, you know, um, the, the music alone. You can actually learn a language or travel to some part of Africa. Maybe. And you can embrace the challenges, right? The development the challenges, challenges, the challenges, challenges, the challenges. Health challenges, a lot to be done in Africa. Yeah. Don't just take cherry pick, you know. There's a lot. We need help. Mm -hmm. You know, and at the same time, we also need people to identify the fact that we are also here and we live in America. A lot of Africans live in America as immigrants and we're here to stay. Even within the you know Black Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. we, we also want there to be like representation of African. When it comes to African issues, it stands for us. Mm -hmm. You know? So if I could just sort of take apart because you said so many interesting things, yeah. you really are um, sort of occupying your place in an ongoing conversation, mm -hmm. one that started hundreds and hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. but in particular in the last decades, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of evolution that got to the point that you are here in this business. Yeah. Um, and you also raise again uh, the comment that you started with, which is black isn't the same for everybody. Yeah. And this question of being black in America somehow has become kind of throw everybody into one category. Um, but if we can come back again, um, to the point you made on the business uh, on the business side, which is oh something's cool, it's a fashion. So this piece of Africa is in fashion today. Um, what else about the business relationships that you have that worries you from an ethics standpoint? Yeah. Well, in terms of ethics, maybe one of the things that would bother me that I'll think about sometimes mm -hmm. is um, if um, if I design somebody design something for a company. Mm -hmm. And have, I have creative control over what I design sometimes. A lot of times I always own my creative design, the, the control of what I do. But then how they do it for me sometimes becomes a bit tricky because... I mean, explain that a little further? Yeah. I've run up with a lot of companies and how they do like. I just want to know for best practices and you know, where the manufacturers is. Who's ah, the manufacturer? So if you're designing clothing, yeah. which you've done yeah. um, this piece that you're wearing, which yeah. is leather, yeah. you want to make sure that if they're going to manufacture that for sale, it's done ethically. It's done ethically. You're not using a child labor. You're not using a kid somewhere. Just making like you know, making like. And do you integrate that into your contracts? Yeah, I, I try as much as possible to integrate it. But a lot of times, you know, if it's a one-off thing, I just make the designs. I don't have control about how. They go and do that, you know. Right. So sometimes it's a thing of worry for me, but at the same time I have to make a living. I have to make, you know, I have mm -hmm. to pay bills and I have a lot of things to do. And as mm -hmm. an artist, I gotta survive. You know, mm -hmm. Because I mean, I'm in business to to make money mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. So, but I, I'm worried about that. 
I'm not saying all the, the, the people at work do that, but there's something that I'm always very worried about. I'm, I'm, I, I basically take note of and I want to know because it's certainly something you can ask about, and it's yeah. certainly something that you know you can get advisors to help you mm -hmm. make sure that people are living up to their end of the bargain. Yeah. And in today's world, there are yeah. many options for an artist like yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. from a business standpoint, it would be presumably in their interest also. Yeah. What has been the most important ethical challenge that you faced as an artist? Hmm. I think right now. <laughs> um, or personally. But personally, I mean, when it comes to like what I want to do versus um, what people want me to do, after the answers, let me be You know, people mm -hmm. got lots of requests. Everybody wants to work, and you know, people use the term. You know, people think I'm a makeup artist. They think I'm a body artist. You know, they call me as the names. You know, okay. but I understand because because uh, the video went viral, and people don't have enough information about the artist. So the video is of Sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. So people literally want me to recreate what I did with Beyonce with them mm -hmm. on a video, or they want me recreating on a party, or they want, mm -hmm. oh, we just want the, you know. And for me, I'm like, I've done that, you know? Right. And that's Beyonce, like, you know. That's Beyonce's Beyonce. piece, right. Let's do something else, let's move on, you know? But then, you know, there's that, I mean, I'm been hired, and if I'm in told, this is the one me to do. I'm under an obligation if I'm being paid to do something to do, exactly. But then at the same time, I'm, I'm confident, I'm like, but I don't want to do that. Sometimes I've had to say no to a couple of people just because, you know, it doesn't just feel right and people just, it's me, sometimes it's like they're jumping, jumping in the bad mind because there's an essence to what I do. There's a reason to what I do. There's something, the art is not just, you know, what it is because Beyonce did it, you know. It's called the sacred art of the Ori. It's the art of the essence. Mm -hmm. It's, Can you talk a little bit about that, the sacred art of the Ori, yeah. and what that means? Yeah, sacred art of the Ori, something in my coin, and it, it means Ori is, is your head in Yoruba. Like, literally, it could be your head. But then it's more than that. Yoruba people will call it your essence. They will call it your connection to the Olodumar. Olodumar is the supreme god. So is it like a soul? Yeah, so, yeah, that's what it is. So what I do is, if, you, if I was going to paint on you, I was going to do something for you, I would like have some time, chat with you, and just, you know, get your vibe, you know. Especially if I'm doing like a full body painting, get your vibe and understand what you're about. So I could take some of your traits, you know, and link it to some of the, the Orishas, Yoruba mythology has Orishas like gods, you know, like you have Shongo, you have Oya, you have Obatala, you have Oshun, you have um, Ishu, you have all these gods in Yoruba mythology, just like you have Greek gods, you have Venus, you have, you know, Zeus, you have all these things. And so what I do is I get traits of those Orishas and then paint it on your body, depending on what I think you fit into. Like if you are very vain or you have a little bit of, you're, you're much into fashion and you, So you even know, if you were to do a lemonade sorry song style uh -huh. Uh -huh. body painting, yeah. you still would do it for the person. Yeah, I would do it for the person. And, like, yeah. You know, it's never going to be what you did for Beyonce's dancers. Yeah, no, no, but some people want me to do exactly that. You know what I, I mean? Exactly like, what you mean. yeah, they that, give me a mood board really and they screenshot it like I want this, right. you know, and I'm like, you know. No, but that's like yeah. saying you somebody's commissioned you a painting yeah. for you know some public place, and then somebody else wants you to do the same painting. The same painting, yeah, exactly. Do it, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, what are the greatest ethics challenges that you believe that society faces today? Society, um, when it, in terms of art or just no, generally? generally, hmm. I think, I think um, we owe it ourselves to tell each other the truth. You know, there's so much fake news out there, which is just, 
is is depressing to actually see what's happening in the world today. You see people just spread you know lies on social media, and people just take it hook, line, and sinker. And uh, the media basically, I just think there's so much harm being done than good because. You think it's the mainstream media or social media or both? Both. Mm-hmm. Like me, there's a, there's a link. I mean, there's a link. You know, it's like whenever there's an idea that's been projected, you know, it's like it's so forcefully projected that you really don't have like an alternative source to check that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, and at the end of the day, when people find out that, oh, maybe this is false, there is no repercussion of, oh, we're sorry for what we did for like giving you false information. And the influence may already be there. Yeah, it's already there. You know, the harm already is already may, done. Yeah, the harm is done, it may yeah. have influenced actual decisions. Yeah, decisions of people. Right. And then... I'm fascinated to hear what you say because I'm very focused right now in my own work on this question of does truth matter anymore? Yeah. And I think that, that you know, is, is, and it's really, really at the heart of many things that we're struggling with in society today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. telling the truth manifests itself in a lot of things that you've yeah. said. What is your identity? Yeah. You're not sort of generic black. Yeah. You're a particular, you know, your truth is a different, um, you know, a particular identity. Mm-hmm. But it's also truth in terms of the information that we have um, that is the basis of which we're making ethical decisions. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the stuff to which we apply the principles yeah. that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear you so committed to the truth. And is there, is there something in, we, we have here your guitar, we yeah. have a shoe, maybe you can sh- pick up this shoe and show us that you've done yeah. shoes both as a Nike contract and for some individuals who've commissioned you. Yeah. Um, does this idea of, wait a minute, we're planting some stakes in the ground, we're going to insist on the truth, does that come out in any of these pieces? Yeah, a lot of times I, I try as much as possible to, because I'm living my truth right now. Basically, right. It's, it's, it's all about like, Understanding who you are and um, not letting people tell you who you are, not you know being boxed up by people and just doing like the world is my canvas right now. I have a term I use, like, I call it everything is my canvas. Mm-hmm. I paint on anything and everything. So pretty much like whatever you give me, once it has a surface, I'm gonna paint on it. We certainly already see the shoes, <laughs> the guitar. Um, we have sort of mannequins. Yeah. We have your leather shirt and your yeah. own shoes. Yeah. Um, incredible. Thank you. Do you have an artist or a specific work of art of any genre, it doesn't have to be visual art, um, that you think is one of the great communicators of the importance of ethics? Could mm. be a musician, could be a poet. I would say Fela Anikulakbukuti. Okay, can you yeah. repeat that name for people who might Fela Anikulakbu Kuti. Okay. Yeah. And this is a Nigerian. Yeah, it's, it's his, 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 his global. Fela is an Afrobeat legend. He's, he's, he's one of those people that I would say that uh, he, he, he's inspired a whole generation. I've been inspired by Fela Kuti. Um, I've been inspired also by um, Twin 77. I've been inspired by Nike Okundaye. She's also an artist. But Come back to, to, to Fela Kuti for, yeah. for, for a moment. And what about. His ethics or the way he deploys music in service of society and ethics? I mean, Fela was pretty much, lack of a better term, anti-establishment. He, he fought, he fought the, the government of the day, literally, with his music. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times he would, he would come out with music and he would be thrown in jail, he would be attacked just because he was saying the truth. People knew he was able to say the hard thing. People couldn't say it, but he would say it in his music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is, he really didn't need that, he didn't need... Like, he wasn't doing it for profit. 
when you think about it, because he actually came from a very wealthy family. And when you read his story, you're like, he was just kind of, he had a passion for people, passion to tell the truth. Social justice was like at the heart of his music. And he would call out names. He wouldn't call out names of people who he thought, like call out names on his record. I mean, literally, we call out the head of state, call out the... It was, like, undone when he was doing it. Pretty much everybody didn't like him in government at the point. And a lot of times, it'd get him in trouble. I mean, he was taken to prison a lot of times. He was telling the truth before yeah. there was any true or false news on social media yeah. or otherwise. Yeah. So what was, when was he at the heart of his career where he was doing this kind of calling out the government? Where was he? What time, what, what period in history? What, I mean, what year was, the, what years were this in Nigeria? Um, in Nigeria, the 70s, 90s, 70s, yeah, 70s okay. 60s, yeah. He used to, he, he was, he was pretty much like, uh, he, he started, he even started the genre, the Afrobeat genre itself. The Afrobeat genre? Yeah, the Afrobeat genre, he, he, he started it. And what that music actually means, you know, is, it, it means, it means, it means, it means an agitation. It's like a cry. It's like, a, the, the, there's a song he calls Zombie. You know, I play earlier, and zombie just means he was calling out the military ruler, he was calling them zombie, and he would make fun of them and taunt them just to make sure they hurt him, you know. And also he would, there's just, and then his album covers were like so inspiring for me. When you look at his album covers and you see what he's done, the album covers was designed by, do I remember his name, Gary, Lem, Lem, Gary, Gary Oku Lemmy. And he was somebody that eventually, I, I love the art, the album art. Like I had my dad, we had a collection in our house and I would just stare at them so much that I would just like get lost in the album art. And you that really was something. have album art today. Yeah, it was vinyl. Yeah, vinyl, Back in the day, exactly. it was vinyl. Yeah, and exactly. it was just, just so, so inspiring. And just watch the way he merges, you know, you would see like literally like caricatures and people marching, maybe somebody in like a prison cell and try to fight out black power, you know. And also, but I came to the States at some point and also, got involved in the, um, in the movement here back then, um, the Martin Luther King era and all that. So it was pretty much African and also black also. So, I mean, he, he sang a lot of songs about black lives and all that about equality. That was quite early to be coming from Nigeria to the U.S. Yeah, There yeah. was much less of that in those yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about education? We're uh, in a society today, particularly in the U.S., where science and technology is overwhelming in terms of you know the role that it plays in young people's lives. Mm -hmm. I saw a little adorable three-year-old running around <laughs> her before with an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was like an appendage. I mean, it was a perfectly natural thing for her. What do you think the role of the arts should be in education today? And in particular, given that many educational budgets are being uh, shifted because of the importance placed on science and technology as more important or according to many governments, more important for getting jobs? I think it's global, if you ask me, because I'm, I'm new to the American system, mm -hmm. but I can tell you about Nigeria, and I can tell you about where I come from. Um, it's, it's not peculiar to America, in the sense that a lot of, in, in Nigeria, emphasis is placed on, like, like I remember when I was in a secondary school, that is, um, they call it, that's, um, that's high school here, right? When I was in secondary school, I, we were made to like, you know, focus a lot more on the sciences. And that was junior secondary school. So everybody was like, oh, your sciences was really good. Nobody really cared about the arts that much. So people placed more premium on that. So when you get to, 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 to the senior high school, now there was an exam in junior high school to get to senior high school. Now, see, this is where it gets really, really crazy. 
Those that did very well were automatically just put in the science class. That's like in France. Yeah, and we're putting science class. And those that didn't do too well, they put them in the arts in class. The humanities yeah, the because arts. they think they're dumb, you know, mm -hmm. for, for some reason. So, yeah. I mean, you can see how faulty that is already, not just, just because they want to do it, but because you just feel that way. And how you, do you choose a career like that? Those are human beings already mm -hmm. misplaced in their lives. So literally, you can't change those things once you do that. That's it. Right. You don't have the skills. Yeah, you don't have the skills. So how do you judge who exactly ends up where, becomes a lawyer, becomes a doctor, becomes an artist? You know, you know what I'm saying? Well, curiously, it's, it's very similar even in France, or at mm -hmm. least was until recently, mm -hmm. where other than one very elite school mm -hmm. called Normale Supérieure, if you, were not, you know, if you were in the elite, mm -hmm. you went into engineering and yeah. physics and yeah. the other sciences. And if you weren't, then you were sort of off in universities doing more humanities, humanities types and stuff. Yeah. Can we shift gears back to celebrity? You okay. have dealt with a lot of celebrities, and in my own work, celebrity is often one of the worst drivers of unethical behavior. <laughs> sometimes the celebrities behave badly, but sometimes the people who really go off the rails ethically uh -huh. um, or don't think about it at all are people seeking celebrity. And increasingly, celebrity just for the sake of being famous, which one can do now in the social media world, as opposed to celebrity for curing cancer or for being a great artist uh -huh. or for some being a great political leader. Uh -huh. What has been your experience with celebrity, and how do you think celebrity relates to ethics? Well, I mean, it all, again, it all goes back to the individual and mm -hmm. in, um, what your, your motive is, what exactly you want to you wanna do with your status as a celebrity at the end of the day. And um, I've had to deal with a lot of people, you know, in this industry, and you, I mean, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes really bad. You know, and um, can you give an example of when it's really bad? <laughs> like, I mean, people don't 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 just give a, you know, who you are or what what you're about. They just want you to do one thing, and that's it. Or you get on set, and so you they serve don't, a purpose for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no and respect. No respect. You know, and you just it's like, oh, just come do this, and you know. And I'm trying to engage you and tell you what I do, and you're like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. Just do your job and get the hell out of here. I want to see your face, so that kind of thing. And sometimes they're like, oh. Why are they so all that? You know, because I, I just think sometimes just take my stuff and leave. Or oh, there was this set I was on. I was on set and I had the, the game put me under. They were calling me like a makeup artist. And I'm like, I'm not a makeup artist. I'm like, oh, sorry, there's nothing we can do about that. This is all we have for you. We don't have a title for you because you don't. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel your box. It's not my problem. Right. You create it. I don't care. And they, I mean, got into a like, oh, and they had to call somebody else, and they call somebody else, and it's, yeah. So you're you're using this gesture that is almost like indicating, you know, working one's way up a hierarchy. Yeah. And is it your sense that somebody felt that they could treat you this way and yeah. put you in some random box that it does not yeah, correspond that does not at all? Correspond Again, coming with me. back to your yeah. truth and your yeah. identity. Yeah. Yeah. But they wouldn't do that if they had a perception that you were higher up in the hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, it, some people know, some people don't care. I mean, when when I walked with Beyonce, she's I mean, she was super, super dope. Mm -hmm. In the sense that the respect she had, she said, like, she kept on saying thank you all throughout. Mm -hmm. Like, first time I was there, oh, so, so I wanted to say thank you so much for coming. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, who should be thanking who? Like, <laughs> you know? But she was super cool, and there was no, oh, you have to do this. Literally, she brought me in, and she wanted me to see what she wanted to do and say, what can you do? Mm -hmm. We want you to do what you do. Like, mm -hmm. 
you know, do you, don't, like, it wasn't, yeah, contribute, become part of it, which I felt like I was part of something huge and something big. And I, well, you were, it was yeah. quite, it's quite an impressive result. Yeah, I mean, it was, you can see, I mean, the result tells, I mean, it shows, speaks for itself. So I like to work in such, you know, places where people are, you know, and it's funny that some people who are not even up high the ladder are the ones that have so much ego, you know, like over exaggerated sense of self, who mm -hmm. just think that, oh, they're all that. I've done a lot in my life, but I don't see myself as, I would never ever look down on another person's talent or try to just shove it under the carpet and say, oh, you're nothing, just because maybe you don't have so much, maybe um, people talking about you today. It, it, all, it all changes, it's all about matter of time for artists, you know? And it's people, about artists, yeah, and it's also yeah. about just fundamentals of humanity. Yeah, basically, treat people nicely. It doesn't take anything, just be nice. That's something that you can, no matter how talented you are, no matter how beautiful you look, the character, treating people with respect is oftentimes almost everything. Without that, you can have all the rest of it, but when you don't have that, you know, good bill, you don't have the character, you don't treat people nicely, you know, it's, it's trash to me. Can we look at that shoe you're hiding right. behind you on a completely different note? Yeah. Because this continues a little bit the celebrity conversation. Who, yeah. who did you do this shoe Yeah, for? this is for um, Mr. Jackson, he's also known as um, Fabulous. And uh, yeah, you can tell by the keyboard things. Yeah, going the on keyboard, here. the music right here, and then you can see Jackson's written backwards on the Nike swoosh, and then the spiders and masks of his African, his African mm -hmm. descent, African American. He is also um, of Dominican um, descent, mm -hmm. and then that's his son, oh. Johan. So you're telling his story. Yeah, I'm telling the story on the shoe, and then he's very Brooklyn still because he grew up here. So you can see that's a Brooklyn, there's a Brooklyn Bridge, and that's a city skyline right there. Fantastic. And then, yeah, and then these are the albums he's ever done, the ones I really like him and listen to. And the gold is very emphatic of the gold status, gold mic, five-star mic. And also that's his partner, Emily, and then the waves of water, and Jackson again, and you can see the heart, and then here you go. Thank you. What, a, what an incredible story. Thank you. What have I not asked you that I should have? About my, your art or about ethics? My music. Your music. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm working on an album, and um, it's in the works right now. I have a new single out, which is called Mama Africa. Um, I have visuals out for this, so it's pretty much a mix of my art and my music. It's on YouTube. So we're getting back to album covers. Yeah, album. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah. And so you have this guitar that's decorated. Could you play us a little bit of Mama Africa? Okay, kids, do just something. Just casual little, just get a sense of what it is. Yeah, let's see. Hold on now, let's see. She looks 